Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. A reading from God's Word, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. So if you, this past week, Lauren had one of her ideas, and obviously you know that one of those ideas was converting a school bus into a home, which left the burden on me to make that happen. Uh, We've lived in an RV. We've lived in... Um, all kinds of different places. Some of those are her ideas, some of those are mine. But anyway, last week she had an idea to do the Whole30 diet. And if you know anything about the Whole30 diet, that means you can't eat sweets, you can't eat ice cream, okay? It's like a whole other category of what you can't eat. Uh, There's a whole list of things you can't eat, and we try and focus on the wholesome food that you can eat. But this past week has been difficult for me, especially in the evenings, because your body gets used to these rhythms that you put it in. And and when you change something that you you love and desire so much, like ice cream, then you kind of go into this withdrawal, if you will. And maybe too far, maybe not, but you you get emptied of those things. The things that, that you love, like ice cream, Whole30, makes your body empty and it hurts. Like you have physical pain in a way, a desire, mentally at least, you, you crave that so much. But instead of filling it with ice cream, you fill it with wholesome food. You fill it with things that your body needs and can nourish from. And so that ties into our scripture today um, in that we're going to be looking at hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is something that's wholesome and good for us, instead of what the world hungers and thirsts for. Um, I'm not trying to tell you that ice cream's bad or that Whole30 is righteous or anything like that. Uh, I can't wait till July 4th weekend where I get to eat some ice cream. Uh, But more important than our physical health is our spiritual health, and that's what we're going to be diving into tonight. So we are wrapping up that first half of the Beatitudes tonight. So there's, um, there's a point where Jesus has been with the people and he kind of goes up on the mountain and he's got his disciples with him, kind of his inner circle of people, and he's going up there to, to preach the Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing that he preaches are these Beatitudes. And there's a handful of them, um, and, and they're all about not necessarily how to get into the kingdom, but the, he's preaching to his disciples. And so this is more of a how do his disciples live with a kingdom mindset as citizens of heaven instead of citizens of earth. So a little preface there. And the kingdom that, that, that we live in today is this already not yet kingdom where Jesus has come, he has died, he has paid for our sins if you're a follower of Christ, and he has risen from the grave victoriously, but the world's still fallen, obviously. I mean, you go outside, you see, it is not 
the ultimate kingdom. But we long for that day that it returns. So we're kind of in this middle area. And so these Beatitudes, again, will speak into how to live in that, in this time. So his, let's see, the last few weeks we've looked at poor in spirit, mourning, and meekness. And these first three are emptying you, leading you to hunger for righteousness. So similar to like Whole30, emptying you of ice cream. These are kind of emptying you of yourself, um, leading to a hunger for righteousness. Okay, a little bit of a stretch, but the next three are filling, leading to persecution for righteousness. So sorry, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but that's kind of how this pattern is. So we're at the end of that first half. So another thing to observe before we really dive in is these Beatitudes are totally flip-flopped of what the world would make you think. So how would being poor lead to being a recipient of the kingdom? How would mourning lead to being comforted? How would meekness or strength under control lead to inheriting the earth? And tonight falls right into that theme of opposites. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. Let's take a moment and pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity tonight to hear from you. I pray that you speak through me and that your word is heard and that you open our minds and our ears to be convicted of your word and to let you change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think of satisfaction, I think of when John Johnson, wherever he is, had us over for this going away of Andrew Jetzel, which I'm sure we all miss dearly. But we had this, this big dinner at his house, and he cooked steak perfectly. He cooked potatoes that were smothered in cheese and sour cream and butter. So I know you're probably hungry right now, so sorry. And he cooked mac and cheese, I think, and he had salad and sweet tea, and we ate all that. And then he brought out banana pudding. And that was satisfied, right? I mean, we sat there. We couldn't even get up. We had to just rest with our full bellies for a minute and let it settle. But Jesus is saying those who are hungry and thirsty will be satisfied. So the opposite thing. The entire world is hungry and thirsty for something. Food, money, fame, likes on social media, attention, comfort, epic vacations, whatever it is. And certain companies will tap into that, like Snickers. So Mars Incorporated has capitalized on this hunger that the whole world has, that instant gratification. Remember those commercials? They say, like, there's the diva in the back seat, and yes, they give him a Snickers, and he eats it, and all of a sudden, he's fine again. It's because the world doesn't want to be hungry. The world wants to not feel that and just be, have that temporal, instant satisfaction. It's like if you had a guy, let's say that there's a man, and he's given a million dollars, okay? And he's like, I'm going to go invest in something that will bring me satisfaction. And so he goes, and he buys a million dollars worth of Snickers, which assuming he gets some sort of bulk discount, maybe like two and a half million Snickers or so, 
And so he's thinking, yes, like, I am going to be satisfied for life. Like, I'm never going to hunger again because I can just grab one of my couple million Snickers and just be good, you know? But that's crazy, right? That's, that's not right, okay? That's the last thing that if someone gave you a million dollars, that's the last thing you would do probably. So just bear with me. We'll get back on that in a minute. But this... this hunger that we have comes from an emptiness that all humans have. We all desire to fill fill ourselves with something. And our flesh tells us to fill it with things of the world, like Snickers. But our flesh is a liar. So what should we hunger for? Jesus says to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what is righteousness? Right? What What's he talking about? The next three Beatitudes after this one give us an idea. Merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers. The rest of the whole chapter, uh, Jesus talks about, he'll bring up a law from the Old Testament, like don't commit adultery, and then he'll up the ante. Not only that, don't, don't lust. He'll say, you know, you've heard eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But he says, Turn the other cheek. That's right. Don't just love your neighbor. He says love your enemies. So the last verse of this chapter 5, he says you must be perfect like my father is perfect. So good luck with that. <laughs> is that not impossible? So let's get three. We've got kind of three categories of righteousness. The, we've got... We'll, we'll talk about each one, but one has to do with justification, one has to do with sanctification, and then one is kind of a missional. Okay, so the first one is the righteousness that you'll be judged on. No one can be righteous, no one is righteous, but if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus gives you that righteousness as a free gift. So we're justified. Father looks at us, he sees Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ. The second one, so that's the first one. The second one is sanctification. So the righteousness that the disciples are striving for. You're you're not wanting to just be stale, but striving for uh, producing fruit from the Spirit. So a constant growth. Your whole life, you're striving to be more like Jesus. So sanctification. And then the third, righteousness of the entire world which that already not yet kingdom, we're looking forward to when all he makes all things new and when he returns and makes the new world. But right now, we hunger for this righteousness that's just not there at this point. But right now, what we can do is hunger for others to taste and see that, that Jesus is good and that Jesus is the only one that can fill that hole that we all have. So that's kind of the missional righteousness. And because, like we said, Jesus is up on the mountain and he is teaching his disciples. He's not necessarily evangelizing at this point. We'll focus on that second and third. So the sanctification, the growth, becoming like Jesus, and then the missional looking outside to those that are lost. And remember, this beatitude does not say those who are righteous will be satisfied. Right? It just says, it says those who hunger and thirst. 
but people can mix this up. So in Luke 18, there's, and Kevin had mentioned this, I think a few weeks ago, there's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector where Jesus says, he starts off, he says, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated, and treated others with contempt. So for, the, for people who are thinking they're righteous, that is a, a huge mistake. So if you remember, the, the parable is there's a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they're in the temple, and the Pharisee's like, so glad I pray all the time, so glad I give my money away all the time, glad I'm not like that tax collector, right? And the tax collector is like beating his chest and saying, you know, Lord, please have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is pointing to the tax collector as the one who we should be more like. He says the tax collector went back to his house justified and not the other. Jesus came to save the sinner, not the righteous, the sick, not the healthy. So this is is the mindset that Jesus wants for his disciples to have, to be broken over sin, not self-righteous. He wants us to have reverence for the Lord and call out to him. And he invites all people. There's a really beautiful illustration or invitation for the hungry and thirsty in Isaiah 55. You can turn there if you want. We'll talk about it again. But Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. So he, Jesus is inviting all who are hungry and thirsty to his table. And the only prerequisite or requirement is to come hungry and thirsty for his will. And why did the Pharisees not hunger and thirst for righteousness? They thought they were already, already righteous. But we don't need to make that same mistake. We must recognize that we're not able to do anything pleasing to the Lord on our own before we can receive the free gift of righteousness. So we've talked a little bit about how the world around us hungers and pursues the things of the world. And it, 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 never, it never leads to satisfaction. Y'all know the, the, the swimmer, Michael Phelps, right? Really famous Olympian. He's got a whole pile of gold medals from how fast he can swim. And you would think, that guy, he's probably satisfied. He's probably doing great. But you, you Google his life right now, he's dealing with substance abuse, mental health issues, Depression, he's not satisfied. The world would say he is, but he, he's definitely not. And there's so many examples like that. Even Elvis Presley, poor guy. So Paul teaches in Romans 8 on the difference in worldly pursuits and eternal pursuits. We, he says, living for our fleshly and worldly desires leads to death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we see there's this contrast. Our desires and His desires. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, he says, Flee youthful youthful passions 
and pursue righteousness. That same thing. Before a relationship with Christ, we were slaves to sin. It was impossible to put to death the deeds of the body, and we could not on our own even resist a sinful act. But by the Spirit, remember he says, by the Spirit residing in us, we can battle against our flesh. We can wage war on sin. Every day we must ask the Lord to help us to kill sin and strive for righteousness. The famous John Owen quote, y'all probably heard, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Because we're still in this already not yet, that's the reality of what we live in. So not only do we struggle in the battle against fleshly and sinful desires, but we let our minds wander and become anxious about tomorrow. Often I, mean, I let my mind wander about diesel prices and the weather, is it going to let me pour concrete next week? Or how, you know, our daughters need to be doing all of these activities or whatever it is. Maybe it's you got a test coming up and how am I going to find the time to study for that and write this paper too? You know, it's just, we, we, our whole mind gets consumed by these worries and these things that we see that we're dealing with, right? Jesus, at the end of Matthew chapter 6, speaks into this, and he, he talks about how he cares for the flower of the fields, and he goes on to say, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for, of its own. So don't, don't, don't hear prosperity gospel there. I, know, I think that would be easy to hear that there. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. But it's, we are not pursuing righteousness so that we can get the things. We're caring less about the things, and we're seeking, we're prioritizing seeking him and his righteousness. We may not even care anymore about all those things at all. Uh, and rather than laboring and being consumed in the pursuit of earthly things, Jesus says to passionately pursue the interests of the Lord and his kingdom. So a couple examples of people who came to Jesus hungry and thirsty. We'll have two big examples leading to conclusion. So we've got one from John 6 and one from John 4. In John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Remember the boy who had a few baskets of, or a basket of some bread and some fish, and then he feeds thousands, probably more than 5,000. And then he leaves, walks on water, goes somewhere else, and the people are coming to look for him. Probably to get some more of that heavenly bread, Right? And Jesus calls him out on that. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
But can you blame these people? They're hungry. It's, and at that time, you couldn't just go across the street and get some food. It was kind of hard to get food. So they're hungry, and they know if they could find Jesus, like they they got really good food. Don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> but they're missing it. Their mind is set on earthly things, their physical hunger, rather than the much larger reality of who it was that fed them and the eternal gift that he has to offer. So often we completely miss the point, don't we? When the Israelites, I mean, this is from ages, we've always missed the point. The Israelites wandering through the wilderness, being fed manna, bread falling from heaven, we're more concerned with the provision than the provider. It's the same thing here in John 6. The people see the power of Jesus, that Jesus has to feed thousands, and they want to tap into that food source. And they're not interested in what Jesus is teaching them about who he is and who the Father is and how to have a relationship with him. They're missing it completely. Like the man who bought a truckload of Snickers. They missed it. So in John 4, Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria. And y'all are familiar with the story of the woman at the well, I'm sure. He came to sit by the well because he had been journeying. They've been journeying a long way. So he's tired, he's thirsty, he's hungry. Disciples go and they go find some food to buy. And this woman comes up and he asks her for a drink. And she's a Samaritan, he's a Jewish man, and their cultures are like oil and water. And even the fact that he's engaging her is just crushing cultural barriers, which is really cool to think about. He does that with us, too. Crushes cultural barriers to reach all peoples. But Jesus answers, she asked, why are you talking to me? And he answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she replies, are you greater than Jacob who made this well here? Are, are you, how are you even going to draw water? You didn't bring anything to get the water out of. And he says, everyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus responded to the woman at the well, showing her he's greater than Jacob, and he has eternal life to offer. When you thirst and desire for the water Jesus has, he will give it to you freely, and you will always have it. That one true drink from the fountain of Jesus will leave you never thirsting again for for anything else. And when you are thirsty for a drink, you have his water within you, the spirit. And so when the disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with this woman. But they didn't ask the question, why are you talking to this woman? They were just kind of like, what? What's he doing? You know. And he and they said, they said, here, we we brought this food we bought from this town. I know you're hungry, eat it. And he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they, so they are asking each other, what's he talking, where did he get food from? You know, he's just been sitting out here at this well. Where did he get food from? What is he talking about? Again, missing the point, right? 
He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Look, lift, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. So this is it. This is what hungering and thirsting is all about. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Jesus, he's so hungry for the the harvest that's there, he doesn't even care about his belly. He's hungrier than probably any of us have probably ever been in this moment, I'm assuming. But he doesn't even want to eat because he is so overwhelmed with his hunger to reach those people that are about to come to know their Lord and Savior for the first time. This pattern of abandoning his own physical needs to, and, and choosing to serve and, and chase after the will of the Father continues on. And he, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting excited. Jesus' desire to do the Father's will just continually crushes every other physical desire he had. And bringing us to that point of, let's think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, where Jesus came to pray. And if you remember, this is right before he gets arrested and goes on his road to the cross, right? In this garden, he's sweating blood. Have any of you sweat blood before? I've never sweat blood. I've gone through some hard things, like my mom passed when I was six, uh, had a doctor tell me my wife was going to die from pancreatic cancer while we were overseas. I never sweat blood. Y'all have probably been through worse things than that, but I mean, I don't think any of us have ever sweat blood. His body was telling him to stop. Don't put yourself through this pain. It's not worth it. But remember what Kevin preached about last week his meekness, his strength under control pushed him on. Not just that, but his hunger and thirst to achieve what the Father had for him drove him on and made those hungers that he had, those physical hungers, be like nothing. But the story doesn't end there. He rose from the grave. He conquered death. He raises us to new life with him, where we can hunger and thirst for his righteousness. As his disciples, we can die to our flesh and die to our physical hungers and desires. It's because of Jesus that we can do that, because of the spirit that he gives us. And remember that story from John 6, right? The people coming and they don't understand the bread he's talking about. The bread he's talking about is himself. He's saying, feast on me, abide in me. That feasting on Jesus, that's the satisfaction at the end of the verse that we've got up here. To feast on Jesus is the wholesome and nutritious food that we need, the only thing that can fill that hole that the whole world has. Only Jesus can fill that hole. To be filled with a spring of living water that leaves us never thirsting again. 
He fills us with the spirit that nudges us towards being more like Jesus. That feasting helps us to be with Jesus, to trust in his promises, to hope in his kingdom, to anxiously await the day of his mighty return. And now, as redeemed people, we hunger for righteousness in the world around us. Remember that third part of righteousness I talked about, the missional one? We hunger for the Lord to do righteous works through us, not to make ourselves look good, but to make Jesus known to all peoples. We hunger and thirst only because of the Spirit. We hunger and thirst for those who do not know Jesus to know him. And we should let that drive us to action. Like the woman at the well, remember? She left her watering jar because she was so excited to go back and tell her people who she just met. Jesus calls us to have this hunger, to take part in this kingdom work. So as we close, Romans 6.13 is a verse that has been on my mind for a while uh, since we got home from Overseas, and it's do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So, if you could put those questions up on the screen, we're gonna, I'll read the questions and then we'll take a few minutes to pray through them and question our, ourselves. So, so what do you hunger for? What are you anxious about? Do the enticing things of this world occupy your thoughts more than the wholesome feast of Jesus' righteousness? How does your life need to be reoriented to better reflect your citizenship in heaven rather than on earth? So let's take a minute to pray and think through those questions. We are so glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at antiochbhm.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at antiochbhm.com. Go in peace.